Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Psalm 33, verses 6 to 11. Earth, water, and sky created by the word of the Lord and the breath of his mouth. And all we can do even to this day is begin to study and begin to learn a little bit of its magnificence because of our Creator God. God is the Creator of water, earth, and sky. And that's cause for great rejoicing. Because He is the Creator of the universe... He has a rightful claim over it, and he continues to rule supremely. In the book of Job, God wanted Job to know this, so that Job would realize that God was sovereign even over Job's suffering. Today, you'll learn that you too can find your hope in God, find your peace and joy in Him, and find the answers to your questions. Let's rejoin Stephen as he takes us to the book of Job in a lesson called Water, Earth, and Sky. Now, in these first 15 verses of Job 38, God is going to quiz Job on the origins and workings of earth, sea, and sky. First, earth. Job asks, or is asked by God, back in verse 4, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set its measurements? Since I'm sure you know. Or who stretched the line on it? On what were its bases or its foundations sunk? Who laid its cornerstone? See, God is speaking in the language of an architect and a builder. I know just enough to be amazed as I have watched these buildings go up. I have watched as... This language was fulfilled on this particular plot of about 40 acres of of land. I have watched the surveyors line it out, trace it. A measuring line, God refers to here, the call in the Hebrew language, is stretched out to ensure the exact measurements uh, are followed. Well, who made, Job is asked, sure that the foundations are, are dug correctly? I've watched the guys out here. It's amazing what they can do. With that backhoe, lay them out and, and then they're, they're poured. Well, who did it here, Job? Were you there? Did you see it? When the cornerstone was, was placed squarely. In other words, what God is asking Job is, did you check the blueprints to make sure that all of this uh, occurred with such precision that, that life could be sustained? Of course, Job has already delivered to us the staggering truth relative to creation in chapter 26, verse 7, where he said that God stretches out the north over the empty space and hangs the earth on nothing. Not on the back of a huge turtle, as millions believe. Not on the back of an elephant, as even more millions believe. Not on the shoulders of Atlas, as former empires believed. Nothing. Uh, Job is revealing amazing scientific truth that we now have been able to substantiate. The north pointing 
axis of the earth is extended indefinitely beyond the boundaries of earth's surface, pointing to the the, the, the polar star and orienting both the, the geography of earth with the stellar heavens. One believing scientist writes, Job is telling us not only that the earth was suspended in space, but also that it rotates about its north projecting axis, maintained in its orbit by this, what we still know to be a mysterious force called the law of what? Gravity, which could just as rationally be called nothing. Or better yet, for the believer, the will of God. Since no human being was there to see God do it, you either believe the record of God or you come up with your own man-made theory. It is interesting, however, to live long enough to hear that theories such as the rock-solid theory, the Big Bang, has developed over time. In fact, in our generation, cracks. Not that it was ever easy to believe. In one particular book that I'm reading called The Battle for the Beginning, as John MacArthur cataloged a lot of this, he, he writes of the scientists who hold to the Big Bang Theory have to explain, of course, how a universe full of matter appeared out of nowhere in an instant. He, he quotes from an article in the Los Angeles Times that was fascinating. And I quote, The Big Bang Theory is looking more supernatural all the time. About 20 years ago, the late Carl Sagan famously said that the Big Bang science would eventually show that the universe was created without a creator. Since then, the picture has changed quite a bit. Now there is a growing theory within Big Bang thinking called cosmic inflation. This holds that the entire universe popped out of a point with no content, no dimensions, expanding instantaneously, first quickly, then it slowed somewhat miraculously to its current size. This is now being taught at Stanford, the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and other top schools. This explanation of the beginning of the universe, this article says, bears haunting similarity to the traditional theological notion of creation out of nothing. Listen, this article quoted one of the world's foremost astronomers, Alan Sandage, of the observatories of the Carnegie Institution in Pasadena. He recently proposed that the Big Bang could only be understood as, quote, a miracle, end quote, in which some higher force must have played a role. Isn't that great? But can you imagine being Carl Sagan? You've only been dead 11 years. And they're already coming up. Now they're teaching at MIT and the Carnegie Institute saying the Big Bang didn't uh, remove the necessity of a divine being. It's proving the necessity of an original cause. That it poofed out of nowhere (laughs) at at a point in time by some creator. If you want to know how the world began, you must get the information from the only source that tells us. No human observed the process. No human can repeat the process. Now, a little later on in this creative handiwork, there are other eyewitnesses. Look at verse 7. When the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. In Job chapter 1, the sons of God are a reference to, to angels who came to present themselves, and Satan was among them. This is poetic parallelism. The the morning stars are the same individuals as the sons of God in this text. In fact, according to the account given in Genesis 1, physical stars that you see in the sky were not created until the fourth day. 
So the angels had to have been created prior to that in order to observe it and to sing to the glory of God when it occurred. In Exodus 20, we're told there's, there's addition to the testimony of Genesis 1 that everything that was created was created within the six days of creation. So angels weren't created eons before uh, the creation of earth. They then, we believe, were created perhaps on the first day so that they could have been around to sing glory to God during the creation of earth that would occur a few days later. The hosts of heaven, the angels, created, mature, fully capable, able to sing glory to God. There's no more stretch of the imagination in that than Adam and Eve being created, fully mature, not as little babies that grew up, who learned how to walk, who learned how to talk. No, they immediately were able to communicate and worship God. They were able to carry on their God-given assignment. And so also the angels were created, fully capable to sing and communicate and do their creator's bidding. It's interesting. John Hartley wrote in his New International Commentary on Job, in ancient times, the laying of a foundation stone for a temple was a high occasion. It was commemorated by singing and music and and praise. So God here informs Job and us that on the occasion of laying the cornerstone of earth, of creating matter, the angels were assembled in an angelic chorus to sing praise to God at this high moment, to sing to his glory for the creation of his world. Job, you weren't there, were you? You can believe the record of my eyewitness account. I was there. Now God quizzes Job. He moves from the origin of earth to questions regarding the sea. Look at verse 8. Job, who has enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went from the womb. When I made a cloud, its garment and thick darkness, its swaddling Band. I placed boundaries on it, set a bolt and doors, and I said, Thus far you shall come, but no further, and here shall your proud waves stop. Wow. Several ancient Near Eastern myths that attempt to explain the origin of the sea, the oceans of our world, such as the Enuma Elish from the Babylonian Chronicles or the Baal cycle from the Ugarit. They recount this fierce battle, though different they are similar in that they talk about the gods battling for control over the sea, the oceans of the world. And, and, and epic battles took place for the gods and, and goddesses to control this, this massive body of water. In total contrast to mythical thought, you notice the sea here in Job 38 is spoken of as a newborn baby. An infant, verse 8, God put a, put a diaper of darkness on it, clothed it with pajamas made of clouds, verse 9. Verse 10, put him in a playpen, put up the baby gate, locked it. Verse 11, placed restrictions that the, the sea immediately submitted to. For God said, thus, verse 11, you shall come, but no further. And here shall your proud waves stop. No epic battle. 
God won. He's the creator. And this infinite, or seemingly to us, body of water is under his control, and he determines how it acts. He has instituted all the necessary causes and secondary causes to keep the tides of these bodies of water within his plan to care for the ecosystems of our, our planet. It's interesting now science is catching up with what God is describing to Job. Science has discovered the amazing effect of the moon upon the movement of water. We call it tides. Let me just rehearse some of this for you. We should have learned this in about ninth grade. For some reason, it's hitting me as if for the first time here. Ocean tides are caused by the moon's gravitational pull. The moon circles the earth and completes a full orbit around the earth every 27.3 days, traveling a distance of almost a million and a half miles every month. It drives faster than I do and in, in, in you too. As the moon orbits around the earth, it causes the earth to swell. The earth actually bulges out toward the moon as it orbits. And that bulge affects the water level of the oceans. As the earth rotates on its axis, those bulges just ripple across the face of the earth, creating two high tides and two low tides every day. Just this one, just this one characteristic of planet earth and its bodies of water in relation to the moon is is vital to sustaining life on planet earth. Scientists, of course, have spent now nearly $20 billion trying to answer the question of how the moon evolved, how it ever got into the position where it affects us so wonderfully. But the record of Scripture tells us it was accomplished by the creative power of God on the fourth day of the creation week. So Job is reminded by God in these verses, verses 8 to 11, that the movement and boundaries of the bodies of water is determined, it is directed, even in their ebb and flow, by his creative handiwork. Let's move on to sky. Now some questions about when we look up. God asked Job in verse 12, Have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? Hey, Job, have you ever created a new day? One author provoked my thinking regarding this question by taking me back into the culture of the ancient day. On the first day of creation, of course, God created uh, light brought it into existence. Each dawn, of course the bodies that would give light later, each dawn therefore was considered by the ancient world a reenactment of that first day. It was sort of a a recreation of light. The ancients didn't view nature as a system of mechanical laws. They did not consider the succession of days guaranteed. They believed that God spoke each new day into existence. So God is meeting Job where he is with his understanding, and he's saying, Job, can you speak tomorrow into existence? Do you know where the dawn lives? Can you bring the light of the sun for a brand new day? And Job would not say, give me about four billion years, and I think I can make that happen. No, it's a simple, obvious answer, which is no. Now today we understand the heavenly bodies of light, primarily the sun, created by God with just the right temperature, at just the right distance. In fact, the precise tilt of the earth's 
axis and the exact makeup of the sun make life possible on this earth. Then again, this is an amazing thing to discover. Today we know that the rotation of the earth on its axis is what determines, of course, 24 hours in a day. The moon orbits about the earth determining our months. The earth's revolutions around the sun determine our our years. But did you know there's nothing to determine a week for us? Except Genesis 1. That's where we got it from. And it's just the right length, isn't it? The precise tilt of the earth's axis is vital. One author wrote this by illustration. Imagine how different life would be if the earth suddenly began rotating at one-third its current speed. Days would be three times longer. How many moms of two-year-olds would go for that? We would be forced to stagger our sleep so that sometimes we would sleep during sunlight hours and remain awake during long hours of darkness. The variation in daytime and nighttime temperatures would be dramatically altered. Every rhythm of our lives would be overthrown. But all life on earth is perfectly suited to a 24-hour day. And according to Scripture, this is because the same Creator who made all living things also determined and fixed the length of our days. Aren't you glad that it's not longer than 24? I mean, even though you complain and you wish it was, oh no. And we certainly, certainly wouldn't want it any shorter. God determined it and designed it for us. All the planets, the sun, the moon, the stars, all working harmoniously together and with the hosts of heaven when it was occurring could only sing to the glory and majesty of God. Charles Boyle, a brilliant thinker and devoted Christian, was, was fascinated with um, Kepler and Newton and their discoveries about planetary motion. And by the way, these men happen who established what we study today were, were committed believers who believed that they were simply revealing the handiwork of God. Boyle was fascinated by the planetary motion that these men were were discovering and, and postulating. And so he, he hired a watchmaker to design an actual working mechanical model of the solar system. Some planets orbiting this way and some this way, which can only be explained by the hand of a creator. But he had it all mechanically working according to the pattern of their orbit. He took a room to do this. On one occasion, Boyle was showing the model to an atheist colleague, a scientist, who was very impressed with the clockwork model. And the atheist said, this is a very impressive model. Who made it for you? And Boyle responded with a grin, no one. It just happened. <laughs> oh, we read it earlier. Let me read it again. By the word of the Lord, David said, the heavens were made by the breath of his mouth all their host, the stars and planets. He gathers the water of the sea together as a heap. That is, he, he confines it to where he wants it. He lays up the deep in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart from generation to generation. Psalm 33, verses 6 to 11. Earth, water, 
and sky created by the word of the Lord and the breath of his mouth. And all we can do even to this day is begin to study and begin to learn a little bit of its magnificence because of our creator God and his ultimate creative magnificence. And so the conclusion of every believer is we stand, as David said, in awe of him. We find our hope in him. We find our joy and solace in him. We find that our answer to our questions is really him. We find our hope for the future securely bound up in him. As I read this text of the, of the angels rejoicing over this creation, I couldn't help but think about how they celebrate and sing and rejoice over the new creation, which is you and I, by faith in Christ, right? A new creation. And they also sing around the throne of God. And one day, along with all the redeemed, we will praise our Creator, God, who has set us free forever. And the world that does not believe, they continue on in their ever-increasing, sad, tragic panic to find an answer other than God. One physicist wrote, this was written up in the Wall Street Journal online January 20th, two years ago. He wrote, the latest data from space satellites are unmistakable. The universe is dying As the universe accelerates, temperatures will plunge throughout the universe. Billions of years from now, the stars will have exhausted their nuclear fuel. The oceans will freeze, this physicist says. The sky will become totally dark. The universe will consist of dead neutron stars, black holes, and nuclear debris. It seems as if the iron laws of physics have issued us a death warrant. But there is one hope. Leave the universe. Do the laws of physics allow for the creation of wormholes connecting our universe to a younger, more hospitable universe? He writes, In 2021, a new space probe will be launched which may be able to prove or disprove these conjectures. There is no choice. Can a gateway be built to connect our universe with another? Either we leave for another universe or we die in this one. End quote. He has the right idea. We need to to leave this universe for another one. And there is a gateway that has already been constructed, which is whom? Jesus Christ. He is right. Planet Earth and the universe around us isn't going to last forever. The one that we currently study and enjoy is temporary. It's temporary. Again, the special revelation of God informs us about the origins of this world, but also informs us about the end of this world. Peter writes some rather astonishing words that not only agree with the record of Genesis and Job, but give further revelation about the future. Listen to his words. By the word of God, the heavens existed long ago, and the earth was formed out of water by water through which the world at that time was destroyed, being flooded with water. Except for a handful, and they were floating around in what? The ark. But by his word, listen to this, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire, 
kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men in which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness will dwell. Second Peter chapter 3, verses 5 to 13. Do you want to leave this earth? Absolutely. A gateway has been built from this earth to the next. But I will tell you, it is an absolutely narrow gateway. And there are few that will stoop to enter it. Perhaps you have. Perhaps you will, maybe today. By God's grace, when you come to God in awe of his handiwork, coming to the truth of the gospel of the cross and through that empty tomb discovering the solution that by faith in this one who created all there is you will leave this earth only one day to inherit a new earth a new universe which we will be able to explore forever as we glorify him That was Stephen Davey in a message he called Water, Earth, and Sky. This program is called Wisdom for the Heart. It's produced by Wisdom International. You can learn more about us if you visit our website, which is wisdomonline.org. Once you go there, you'll be able to access the complete library of Stephen's Bible teaching ministry. We also post each day's broadcast. So if you ever miss one of these lessons, you can go to our website and keep caught up with our daily Bible teaching ministry. You'll find each day's broadcast linked right on the home page of our site. You can also navigate back to the previous broadcasts as well if you want to go back a little bit. The library of Stephen's entire teaching ministry is also available on that site. Stephen has been teaching the Bible for well over 36 years. In that time, he's preached hundreds of sermons, and all of those are posted to our website. You'll find that collection of sermons organized by Book of the Bible. If there's a particular book that you want to study, and if Stephen has preached through it, you can listen or read each message. All of that content is available to you free of charge. You can access it anytime at wisdomonline.org. While you're there, use the contact form to send us a message. We'd be very glad to hear from you. I'm excited to be able to tell you about something pretty new here at Wisdom International. We've rolled out new technology that allows our website to be experienced in multiple languages. We're going to be working over the next several months to upload more of our foreign language content. We have a little bit there already, and we want to offer all nine of our current languages. And the exciting thing is that this technology will work with every language on earth. So, as God enables us to develop more languages, we'll be able to present those to a global audience. Visit wisdomonline.org 
to see what I'm talking about. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time as we open God's Word and discover more wisdom for the heart.